We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. Today, uh, what we're going to see is we're going to celebrate the way mums and each of us in this church can bring faith to different generations. This morning, we've got a special treat for you. We're going to talk to three amazing women who just happen to be grandmothers. And you're going to look at them and go, those, they can't be grandmothers, surely. But I'd like to welcome up uh, Linda McIver. Uh, I'd like to welcome up Barbara Chalmers and Annette Burnett. If you could come up now, we're going to have a bit of an interview and a bit of a, a chat together. So can you give them a hand as they come up? All right, just sorting out microphones, sorting everything out. Well, it's a, a great day to celebrate All Mums Are and what they do. And as we have three grandmothers here, we thought we'd spend just a little bit of time uh, looking at grandmothering and maybe some things that we have learnt about parenting from that time. We've asked them not to put their kids in it and go, well, I've seen my kids make these mistakes. No, we're just going to celebrate all that parenting is. So to begin with, why don't you introduce yourself and let us know about your grandkids. Uh, brag on them, if you will. Tell us about them. Go for it. Start um, here. I'm Annette, and I have one grandchild who is only six weeks old, so brand new to the job, and he is just so awesomely cute. I could die. That's fantastic. And what's his name? His name is Oliver. I have, <clears throat> I have only two grandchildren, uh, 20 and 21. Leah's 20, Joshua's 21. Um, Josh lives in Auckland, Leah's here, and um, they're out there doing their work and getting on with life. Nice. Thanks, Barbara. Hello, I'm Lynn McIver. Um, my husband and I have three children with seven grandchildren um, with a big spread of um, six months to 23 years. Um, the two um, ones in the UK are our two grandsons and they are um, six months and three years and then our two girls are here in Christchurch with five granddaughters and they range from, um, got to think, five, nine, 18, 19, and 23. So, um, yeah, there's a big spread there. That is a big spread. Yeah. yeah. You've had plenty of good experience. Yes, yes. Yeah. So let's flick straight into that next question. What have you learnt about being a parent from being uh, a grandmother? Because we sometimes, as parents, we, I don't know if you ever had this, if you're a parent, we had this moment where our children, I, my daughter was born and they said, all right, you can take them home from the hospital now. And I was like, do I not need to pass a test? Why, how, why are you trusting me with this life? Uh, and then you get to this stage where you're a grandparent and you've not got that much pressure. But what have you learned from being a parent, from being a grandmother? Um, well, first, that it's very fleeting. Um, uh, second, just how precious it is. Um, just the picture of walking into the hospital room when Oliver was born and Janine was work, uh, resting after a very, very difficult labour and Hugh was holding Oliver and it just struck me how fragile life is. Um, 
Janine may not have been here without modern help. Um, just how fragile, how beautiful. And it just reminded me, when you think of the Lord came as a little baby, how utterly vulnerable you are at that stage. Um, it was just breathtaking, really. And um, you're just to value life, I think. Because it, it, is, it is fleeting, it is fragile. Was there a sense there of also the fleetingness of parenting? You've now got kids who are parenting themselves. Absolutely. Um, I have a friend who has a six-month-old and I simply couldn't believe how big Oliver would be, the difference between a six-month and a babe. And of course, you do appreciate it afresh because I think when you're a parent, you're very tired and you're overwhelmed often by the responsibility of a new baby. And you, uh, with that telescopic view that I have now, you just grasp afresh that it is a very fleeting stage here. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you're in it, it feels like this is going to be the rest of my life. It does. Uh, but actually, I heard someone say recently, you're going to be a parent of adult children longer than you're going to be a parent of children who aren't adults. And I was like, oh, really? Wow, okay, yes. That's absolutely true. You have a, an adult friend, all things going well. Yeah. Fantastic. Lynn, Barbara. Um, being a parent is, uh, you know, you have your routines and all the things that you normally do as a parent. Um, <clears throat> and I was there when my grandchildren were born, and that was a, an amazing thing. Um, and the same routines that you want um, for them is not always how it works out. <laughs> um, but um, the principles are still the same, and I have a good relationship with them as well. But um, I was thinking back when uh, with parenting, you know, you get up in the morning and it's all go, isn't it, for most people that have children. And, um, and nothing's changed. The, the same thing goes on with the next family routine. Um, but you have to. You can stand back and um, you, you do the crying when they're little with all the, the things that happen and you do a lot down on your knees. I think that's the, the basis of it all. Um, and then, then you stand back and do the laughing as a grandparent and they do the crying. <laughs> a little bit like that. Ellen. Um, a couple of things. Um, I thought um, just to, like you make the most of the time because cause we've got such a big spread, you can see how quickly time goes. Um, see how quickly time goes with them. They grow up so fast and um, uh, yeah, just to cherish them and we take our little um, uh, five and nine year old little granddaughters usually for the whole, you know, a few days of the holidays and um, you can just sort of sew into them, you know, a bit more now that we've got more time. Um, like you say, when you're a parent, um, I had sort of three under five, and a lot of it was just a blur now, and glad I took photos, I think, I don't remember that. You know, you're just into nappies and feeding, and um, yeah, so, um, and the other thing was, um, I've learnt not to sweat the small stuff. You know, some of the things that, I thought, gee, we made a fuss over, you know, that didn't really matter. And I remember one of our older girls, um, you probably don't remember most of the people here, but there was a phase where the teenagers wore petticoats over the top of their clothes. You know, it was just a thing. 
someone's laughing, they remember, and our daughter insisted on wearing this to church. And I said, you can't wear that, you know, and made a th and it sort of put the whole downer on the atmosphere of going to church. It was just a heaviness, I thought, later, did that really matter, you know? And we let her wear it, you know, I mean, it just looked ridiculous, so I thought, well, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, don't sweat the small stuff, you know. Get all our kids make their yeah, own mistakes, absolutely. right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. As, I, as you were talking, I was uh, thinking, having kids for two days and then giving them back, gosh, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Love my kids. But if I could have them, you know, yeah. for two or three days yeah. and then have a break, yeah. that'd be yeah. awesome. Uh, <laughs> but also I was thinking, thinking about maybe mothers, parents who are in that stage where they are surrounded by the needs and the wants and the everydayness of parenting, um, what advice would you give them as you've looked in from the outside? Sorry, this isn't on your list, but what advice would you give them for getting through that season or, or for perspective that might be helpful? Just take whatever support is offered <laughs> and ask for support if it's not offered. Um, trust your instincts and just prioritise the important things. Get your meals and your washing done. <laughs> and have fun when you can. That's great. Any others? Um, <clears throat> I probably spent more time thinking about what we're going to have for dinner when I woke up in the morning. Not that I was hungry. But, um, you know, at looking back, I would do some things differently. Um, and it's what Annette said, really. Um, you know, prioritise things and just go with the flow and build those relationships you know that's far more important to sit down and just spend time with them in the evening whatever and encourage their creativity whatever it is we had a lot of music in our house at the time violin and a flute going in the morning and a dog howling in the middle of it um, wouldn't recommend that but um, no it's just about relationship really um, yeah, I can't really add much more to that really, um, apart from the fact that just take time for yourself, some, you know, where you can, um, if you've got that sort of heavy uh, load to bear and, you know, Jesus can be your rock and just take time just to sit and maybe ponder and pray and get just recharged with your batteries, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Excellent. I did hear someone once say, just remember the days are long, but the years are short. Does that ring true? The days are long, it feels like every day takes about three days, but then you look back and you go, gosh, that flew by. Yeah, so enjoying and appreciating every moment. Tell us about, you mentioned uh, Jesus is your rock. Can you give us an example of how your faith has sustained you, either as a mum or as a grandma? I should have also asked, what do you like to be called as a grandma? Do you, are you granny, grandma, nana, nan, grandma? Yeah, so far it's grandma. It's grandma, nana? Okay, excellent. Can you give us an example of how faith has sustained you as a grandma? Um, yes, so I mean, when one of my kids was a preschooler, I was struggling with one of the main mundane issues of bringing up children and feeling a little unsure of my own ability or my own wisdom to do the right thing. And I remember crying out to the Lord 
And so clearly the scripture was dropped into my spirit. So clearly your labour is not in vain in the Lord. It was perfect timing. And um, yes, it's that continual relationship of crying out to the Lord when the need is there and rejoicing in God, you know. As you wake each morning, just giving thanks for the day, thanks for the life um, that you have and the life of your children, and thanking him for the light of the world, that's Jesus. And just going forward in the strength that comes as you connect with the Lord. That's excellent. What about you two? Yeah, I totally agree with that, this giving thanks every day. I grew up on the West Coast where it rained every day for three weeks, you know, no exaggeration. And my dad would always pull the curtain and say, another great day. And it was an attitude of um, what, how the day begins, how you, you, you know, I recommend that. Always say thanks for the day, it doesn't matter what the weather is. Um, but we had a few issues growing um, with the children and and when they're little and so I often used to I had a little corner in the lounge where I used to get down on my knees and I did quite a lot of crying in those days and I remember reading a verse that said all my tears are in his bottle and that you know you get little encouraging words throughout your time um, as a mother and a grandmother and recently when I was in Auckland with Josh he's 21 he said Nina I've written something in my diary I'd like to say to you I said, do you, th- do you think I really need to hear it? He said, yeah, you do. And it was, this is my nana, a dog with a bone, um, a fireball, and what was the third thing? Um, a light in the darkness. I said, well, I don't know about the dog with the bone. It's probably true. Um, so I was encouraged because um, he sees, that's how he sees me. And I just wanted to, I really want to pass that passion on to my children continually and to my grandchildren. Yeah. Um, I found that um, just having the scriptures, you know, like you said, timely scriptures, where, because we had a bit of a rough time with our, um, one of our daughters in her teenage years, and um, the, the scriptures that would just ping from the page and I learned to just write them down on a card, the ones that really spoke to me, and stick them on the fridge and so that every time you're in the kitchen you can say it and it just gets into your spirit and, and then another one would come and you take that one down and um, yeah, just, just the promises of God that he's you know through you all, all these difficult times. Yeah, and uh, yeah. That's so good. Mm. So good, yes. It's being founded in God and what he says and getting that source from him and knowing who you are, great stuff. Uh, Today we're talking about faith in generations, how we can bring faith if we're a mother or a grandmother or, or a father or maybe we don't have any children and we want to bring faith to others whether they be younger or older than us. As a mother and a grandmother, how do you bring faith into your relationships? Um, just the, we were singing before um, Jesus rose and that if Jesus hadn't risen there would be no point you're bringing children into 
a terribly dysfunctional, fallen world. Why would you? Um, but Jesus rose, and we have that hope in our hearts. And my take on it was through, through showing my children to the best of my ability God's unconditional love. I always look to have fun. I always look to encourage, as Barbara said, their creativity and who they were as people. I always looked for them to grow into who the Lord wanted. And I always thought, thought, S-O-U-G-H-T, to bring a lightness and a joy. So that was my take on imparting a faith in God that was worth knowing. That's so good. Love, fun, uh, maintaining who they are, getting to know who they are, bringing God's light and life into them. That's fantastic. What about you, Barbara, or you, Lynn? Um, yeah, I remember in earlier years we, we didn't have a lot of money, and so um, my husband would um, take all the children in the street, which was only a cul-de-sac, so not a lot of um, children. Well, there would have been about 10 with ours. Um, and walk up the top of the hill to where the water tank was, just over the way here, and I'd make all these sandwiches, and they thought it was great. It wasn't a, a big thing, but we um, tried to create memories like that, and, and they still look back on it. And my grandchildren are the same. Um, Josh said, remember when we went on the double-decker bus, Nana? And so it's creating happy memories and for them to look back on. And the... the Creating the happy memories sort of um, takes over the maybe the bad memories. So um, we always encourage that. And like I said, the music was made things lighter. And I, yeah, we always had, um, I prayed with them when they went to bed when they were little. Um, and so it, it's imparting that passion that you have for Jesus yourself, you want them to have. And um, they're not all there yet with that passion for Jesus, but. Um, it's like we sang before, you know, we do our fighting down on our knees. The Lord fights our battles, but we we have our prayer time and we just keep fighting for them. Yeah. That's great. Prayers, fun, yep, that's fantastic. We um, try, because we've got such a big spread of ages, we try and do a potluck tea once a month and that keeps us um, in tabs with especially the teenage ones now where, and, and we find now as they're getting to a certain age in their late teens where they're busy doing other things and they don't end up coming to our potluck teas, but they still have that contact and those memories of, you know, so it's, it's a good way of just sort of keeping them um, in the loop and um, like you said, praying for them because a lot of them now are having issues, you know, with life and life isn't easy sometimes. Um, and we've found too that you don't always agree with the choices they make, even for your children, but your grandchildren too. But um, we just have to keep on course and you know be unconditional love to them. And um, yeah, and I've also found with these little five and nine-year-olds when we have them, Rolleston's very good for parks, and we go for a nice walk to the playgrounds, and it's a really good opportunity because let's face it, creation is fantastic, and I'm always looking out for things like pointing out things. Look at, you know, if you've ever seen um, a newborn praementis, 
you have got to see it. It's the most perfectly formed thing about half an inch long. And so, you know, say, look at that, or the colours in that butterfly, look at it, isn't God wonderful? And then you can sort of bring it, you know, he's made us too, and we're, you know, even more wonderful. So there's lots of little things that you can bring into everyday life and nature and, and just the glory of what God's created, you know, and they're very much into their nature and... We laughed a few months ago with their nine-year-old um, coming home from school with mum walking. They accidentally stood on a bee and, of course, killed it. But um, the nine-year-old was so, oh, you know, we've got to take this home and see if we can save it. So they took it home, this little bee, and she kept it for overnight. Of course, it was dead as a door. <laughs> and she wanted a burial service. So we had, they had a burial service. And she said these words over this bee, here lies Bertie B, loved by all, missed by many. And we thought, how cute is that? But, you know, I have just this love for God's creation and I can just nurture that there. That is so good. That is excellent. I don't think it would have been the same experience if, the, if they were wearing bare feet and they got stung by the bee. They may not have done a burial service for it. Can we think, thank these wonderful women for sharing with us this morning? That was so good. Ladies, we really appreciate you. Fantastic. So I'm just going to uh, bring things together now this morning over the next... 10 minutes. Wasn't it wonderful what they shared about being grandparents, but also about bringing faith into different generations and how they go about it. Uh, and, and actually, as we reflect on Mother's Day itself, we see that the point of Mother's Day, where Mother's Day came from, was an opportunity, or it came from this place of wanting to bring faith from different generations. Uh, in New Zealand, Mother's Day falls on the second Sunday of May, and this follows the tradition set about by a woman named Anna Jarvis, if you've ever followed the traditions of uh, Mother's Day. Uh, Anna Jarvis lived in America, and one day she was in a Sunday school class that her mother, Anne Marie, was taking. The class was on the mothers of the Bible, celebrating the mothers who had been so instrumental in bringing faith to their children. Anne-Marie said a prayer that was overheard by her 12-year-old daughter, Anna. She prayed, I hope that someday, sometime, someone will find a, found a memorial Mother's Day commemorating her for the matchless service she renders to humanity in every field of life. She is entitled to it. When Anne-Marie died in 1905, her daughter, Anna Jarvis, who was a schoolteacher who never married and never had children, desired to fulfil her mother's lifelong dream and uh, make sure that mothers, both living and dead, are honoured annually. And the first Mother's Day was in Virginia in 1908. It was on the second Sunday of May because it was close to Anna Jarvis's mum's uh, birthday. It was celebrated with a church service, so it's appropriate that we continue to celebrate it in a church service. And what they did was every person who came in got a white carnation. And that was her mother's favorite flower. And the people who sell flowers really love this. They were like, yeah, we'll get on board with this. Uh, and um, it was also celebrated by writing your mum a letter. Mother's Day was birthed out of a desire to honor all that mums did, including passing their faith to their family. And as we look at scripture, we see that there is a principle here 
that we can all grab onto, whether we're mums or we're not mums. Check out these verses from uh, a part of the scripture which was so popular, it was the Old Testament version of the Lord's Prayer. It's called the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says this, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. See, for the Old Testament people of God, these verses were foundational scriptures of what it was to be a follower of God, to know who he was, to love him, and to ensure that following him was something that was spoken of, that was done right throughout life. That's how central these ideas were. The idea of seeing faith passed on to all generations around them. And they should be central to us too. We need to look for ways to bring our faith to the generations around us. And we've already heard some fantastic ways of how that can happen. So I want to sum them up with three very simple points this morning. And these points uh, come from what we've heard, but also recently uh, we attended the memorial service of my wife's grandmother. She was called Nan. That was the name that she went by. And she uh, died earlier this year. She was 102 years old. Imagine all that you've seen after 102 years. And we got together for this memorial service. Her favorite color was red. So all the family was wearing something red. I got shoelaces. That was my thing. Uh, so in memory to her, we all wore red and turned up to talk about her life. And here were some of the things that came out. The first one was that she had a strong faith. As the family talked about all that had gone on in her life, it was pretty clear that her life hadn't always been easy. When she was young, she went to a fairground and had a bad hot dog. And because of that bad hot dog, she got sepsis. I don't know how you get sepsis from a hot dog, but she did. And she was in uh, hospital for six months. <laughs> Watch out at fairgrounds. But maybe this was, you know, back in the 1930s when there wasn't quite the same uh, desire to keep things healthy. Uh, and then she uh, also uh, lost someone that she loved in the war. And then she got married and lost her husband relatively early. Her life was split nearly into equal thirds. The time before she was married, the time she was married, and the time her husband died. Her husband died 36 years before she did. Can you imagine that? But through it all, she kept her faith in God. It sustained her, and others noticed it. She never blamed God. She always trusted him for what he would give to her. When you have a strong faith, you are able to show how faith takes you through every season. You can show the, a security that is found in the love for God. So she had a strong faith. The second thing she did, she spoke of her faith. She had her faith displayed for all to see. Having an example is one thing, but it's another thing entirely to show it to others. Two of the things that people remembered fondly and had on the table at this memorial 
were Joanna's Nan's Bible and her book of hymns. She often talked when I visited her of her love for the church, was always positive in how she expressed her love for God. And we talked about the Old Testament people having to uh, put the scriptures on their clothing or on their forehead or on their doorpost. Do you know there's still something that happens today? People uh, have these things called a mezuzah stuck to their doorframe. Jewish people do. It's usually a small container with a passage of Scripture. It's usually that passage from Deuteronomy 6. It reminds them of their covenant with God and shows others that they belong to him. It's customary if you go to a Jewish person's house and you see it to say shalom and touch that mezuzah as you walk in and then say shalom as you walk out. Peace, peace in this house, the peace of God. And that is a symbol of what is going on for them. That they say in this house, in this family, that's going to be part of who we are. That's, that's our faith. One thing she was not, though, was forceful. She took her children to church, but she let them make a decision for themselves whether they would follow Jesus or not. Some of her children had very public faiths. Some had very private faiths. Some didn't have any faith at all. She loved them all the same. She accepted them the same and still showed her faith to each of them. As we consider faith in the generations around us, our children, our grandchildren, even our parents or our grandparents, May we speak of God and the difference he makes and let him do the transforming work in their hearts. And maybe there is something that we can do here to bring faith. If we've got children, do we read scripture with them? Do we pray with them? Do we talk to them about what it is to follow God? Do we bring to them even the hard things that we're going through and say, maybe you could pray for me because it's God after all who makes a difference. So she had faith. She spoke of her faith. And finally, as we've seen today, an important thing, she prayed for her family. What do you do when people in your family don't grab faith the same way you do? You pray. Nan didn't spend all of her time trying to change the non-Christian members of her family. She loved them and she prayed for them. In fact, there was a moment in the memorial service where one of her grandchildren, who wasn't a Christian, got up and started sharing about all the things she loved about her nan. It was really touching. It was moving. But the point that got her most choked up was when she said, Nan, we're going to miss the way that you prayed for us. That was what really hit home. Even for someone who wouldn't say, I'm following after God. She said, those prayers, they were important. So she prayed for her family. As we show love to others, may we pray for them. Pray for their health and their success. May we pray that they would have the same heart for God that we do. That they would put their faith on the doorframe of their life and show they belong to him. As Joanna's dad finished his reflection on his mum's life, on Nan's life, he said this beautiful phrase. He said, if we really want to remember her, then maybe we could try to be a little bit more like her. What would it look like for you to bring faith to your family, both to those who believe and those who don't? Or maybe your family's not the place to bring it, but there are other places you can bring faith to different generations of our church. Or maybe you're here today and you're not a person of faith, but you see something in your mother and your grandmother, and you go, oh, there's something about that 
that's attractive to me. Maybe it'd be worth talking to them more about that and asking them about it. May we show people by our faith. May we show them what our faith looks like. May we speak of it and may we pray for our families. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.